welcome to Creative Piecemeal Podcast, a podcast for creatives. I'm your host, Tammy Takeishi. Join me for compelling conversations with artists, actors, authors, musicians, and other creatives about the impact of the creative and fine arts in their lives and our ever-changing world. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Creative Piecemeal. We're doing something a little different today called the mini-sode. And I'm here with Rachel May of Golden May Editing. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Rachel is an author, editor, and a book coach. And if you'll remember, listeners, Rachel and Emily were on the show back in January of this year. So please check out that episode wherever you get your podcasts. They give great advice and also share their story of how they came to be in the book coaching business. But again, today we're doing something different, and Rachel has kindly agreed to be my first guest for the mini-sode. Very excited for this. Me too, me too. It's definitely (laughs) a different different adventure for sure. Yeah. We're going to get started with book trends. Summer's coming up, so I'm just curious, what are some book trends that you're loving right now? I don't know if this is a super recent trend, but I'm loving how there's so many more pushes for diverse voices, own stories. And I mean, and you look in the grand scheme of things, it's absolutely more recent um, than, you know, if you look even 10 years ago, but I just love the diversity of these stories and how you get such rich experiences from people who need to be telling those stories because stories just change lives. So I'm really excited to see more of that coming out. I have a couple clients whose books are just going to shake things up, and I'm so excited to see what they do in the industry. And um, I'm also really excited for what I'm seeing is such high-quality books coming out of self and indie publishing. Um, I think it's bringing so much accessibility. I think it's bringing so much power to all these authors that don't. I mean, we've talked, I think we talked a little bit about traditional publishing last time, how it's so difficult to break into. And Emily and I talk a lot about how it's gatekeeped a lot. It's, you know, you don't get a lot of the stories that you need to tell simply because of the nature of traditional publishing. So I'm just so excited for seeing amazing books coming out of self-publishing and out of indie publishing. And then you see some hybrid um, publishing houses coming out that are small scale, um, And I I just love seeing that. So I can't wait to see um, all these new books coming out from such huge force, this huge trend um, and getting everybody's stories out there in these amazing and awesome ways. I would have to agree with you. I think it's fantastic. Whatever avenue a writer pursues, whether it's traditional or hybrid or self-publishing, that it's really serving whatever's best for them. Yeah. And I, I think for a really long time, there was a lot of this very critical judgment around self-publishing as if it was some sort of a failure to go that route or to go the indie route. And you just look at the quality of these books and the quality of these writers. And and there's no way that anyone could ever say that about the stories that come out of these other avenues. And so I do think a lot of it is taking power over your own story and and being like, I'm going to get it out there. And there's visibility, there's, um, It's lucrative in a lot of cases. Um, You know, there's difficulty with margins, of course, but it still is like, this is a real avenue. And 
I want to see more and more writers go that direction to just take power over their story. Excellent. Speaking of powerful stories, what is a book that you've recently read that has challenged you? That's a really good one. This is a book I read a couple, I read this in 2020 and I just recently reread it, but it's called Other Words for Home and it's a middle grade book. Um, It's Other Words for Home by Jasmine Morga. And it's a story about a young refugee girl who's coming with her mother from Aleppo, Syria to the U.S. Um, And I had studied it for one of our master classes in our um, Tenacious Writers Society community. Um, And when I reread it this last time, it just hit again in such a more powerful way of, um, I'm going back to what I was saying earlier, of getting stories out that really matter and that really change people and that really have this, this deep, impactful, emotional meaning. I think that book challenged me a lot to think of experiences other than my own. Um, Not only because the main character, Jude, is a child, it's a middle grade story, but also just considering like the other people in her world. Um, I'm a fairly new mother. In the book, her mother is pregnant and Jude also has an older brother. And just seeing the, the grace that her mother has under this intense pressure, it just hit different for me to be like, the time I read it this time, I was a mother. And the time that I, that I read it previously, I was pregnant. And it's just, it was completely different to read those two stories. And then to see, you know, there's so many current events going on and, and watching what's happening in Ukraine. And then just recently reading the story of a story of a refugee escaping, you know, a, a violent area to come to America and then be faced with discrimination and challenges and racism and Islamophobia. It just was like, like, Mm. how can I look at my world differently to make space? And how can I look at my world differently to welcome and, and to, to make a difference, to be involved in assisting people that, that absolutely need it. Um, So that, that was a, a a new way to read a story that I had read previously. And I just, I love that book. Um, It's very, it's written in a very beautiful style. Um, If you've not read it, I highly recommend it. It's a very quick read as most middle grades are, but it just is very powerful. Um, Jude's story is, is wonderful. I really recommend it. Other Words for Home by Jasmine Warga. Excellent. I'll definitely check that out and I'll add the link in the show notes as well. So you are, of course, a voracious reader. Is there anything on your summer reading list that you're looking forward to? Oh, man, I don't, I don't know if I have any new reads coming out. I am a voracious reader, but I'm a, I feel like I'm backlogged so much. So I have a lot of things that are on, like, on my docket. Um, I just recently finished Fable by Adrian Young. So I'm looking forward to reading Namesake, which is the next one. Um, Adrian Young's next book, Spells for Forgetting, is coming out this fall. So I'm very excited to read that. It's her adult debut. I just got The House of the Cerulean Sea, The House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klein. And I'm very excited to read that. Um, that's on my, my Kindle list. I have The uh, House of Breath and Sky, which is a follow-up to, to Crescent City um, by Sarah J. Moss. And I'm excited to read that. So playing a little bit of catch up. Um, I'm really excited for those books. And then I also have on my Libby prescri- uh, subscription, I'm like waiting for these violent delights. I think it's called, um, I'm really excited to jump in, jump into that one. I need to go claim it and then start reading it. 
Nice. Yeah. Sometimes I'll get something on Libby and then I'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot that I requested that three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. I have another one that I'm really um, excited for. I believe it's called In Deeper Waters or In Deepest Waters. It's like a, um, a LGBT pirate story and I'm so looking forward to that and I'm waiting to get it on my Libby. And then I also have requested Red, White and Royal Blue, which is a little older as well but I got it on my Libby and then didn't finish it in time. So I'm like, I have to go back. I have to get it. Um, it's just when you're a parent, I, I used to just sit down and read books in like one sitting. Um, and now I have to find by time throughout the day. Or when I read Fable a couple of weeks ago, I was up until like two or 3 a.m. And then the next day I just was like, oh, this, this was a bad choice. <laughs> a good choice and a bad choice because I loved it. But I was also exhausted. <laughs> yes, that happens sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you work a lot with authors, you know, as book coaches and getting their stories ready and out in the world. Can you tell the listeners and viewers in this case a little bit more about Golden May editing before we go on to some other questions? Absolutely. Um, so Golden May is... Um, a company that my business partner Emily and I started because we really, we wanted to help get stories out there. We both firmly believe that stories matter and stories change lives. And so we, we wanted to be hands-on as well. Um, when we were thinking about becoming freelance editors, we really latched onto the idea of coaching specifically because it allowed us to take such a more hands-on, such a more active and involved role in our clients' lives to teach them how to write a book. And that's basically what book coaching is. We look at the author, we look at their story, and we think, how can we help this author tell the story that they envision, the story that's branded on their hearts? Um, so we, regardless of if someone comes to us with a brand new story idea, a story that they've been working on for 15 years and they can't finish, or they're on revision draft number six, um, we look at that story and we look at that author kind of from the ground level and we teach them what are the foundations of, of good story. How does good story work? How does good, how does show don't tell work? How does writing backstory work? And we develop all of these individual skills through um, weekly calls and weekly assignments um, through our the end of our six month program. Um, you really develop just everything that you're going to need to write the story that you dream of. Um, and we also focus so intensely on off of themselves and what mental blockers are you struggling with? Do you struggle with perfectionism, imposter syndrome? And how do we teach you to manage those things and to learn how to, to work them into your writing process? So I say that because we look at the story, but we also look at the author and bringing the best out of both um, to really create what is this thing that's branded on your heart? Why is it so important to you? And how can we get it into the world? Lovely. And I imagine that the idea is that someone goes through the six month process and then they can go out into the world, transfer those skills to other books and other projects. But I'm assuming your guys are still there to touch base anytime you need them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So the idea is that by the end of our six month program, you've learned how to take from story idea all the way to outline into drafting skills. You should have all the skills that you need, all the what we teach you, you get worksheets for, so you, you know, like, here's what you can do to train your brain to think in story. And then when you're done, you can take all of that to the rest of the draft. You can take all of that to the next idea, any idea that you have in the future. 
Um, but our six month program is also renewable. So if you love working with us and you've loved the six months that you've had and you want to go for another six months, you can absolutely renew and we, we're there. Um, we're there for you. So you end and you, you're always, I mean, you're a beloved client of ours, so you can always come back and chat with us and we want to stay in touch. Um, but there's also for sure the option to renew and to keep looking. And sometimes books take a while to write. They do. Yeah, they definitely do. And our program is, we've broken it down into different phases. So I was saying earlier, story idea or end of draft, we start with, let's look at the heart of the story. Let's look at the characters. Let's look at the story structure and let's re-outline the book. And then let's practice drafting. So by the end of the six months, you get all the skills you need, but you don't necessarily finish a complete draft. In that time, you will finish a complete scene by scene outline and you'll start drafting so we can practice the, the skills that we've been learning. And then if you wanted to renew, then we would go, let's draft and let's let's run with it and let's have fun with it. And I, we have a, a couple of clients who are currently doing that. We've had quite a few clients who have finished um, full and complete drafts with us. And that's just an amazing thing to see who they were when they came to us and now who they are with a finished draft in hand. And it's everything that they could ever have dreamed. I can only imagine it's just so rewarding to be able to help the authors on this step toward making their dreams come true and seeing their stories come to life. It really is. It's so special to look at the assignments that they worked on for us in their first week. And then just in three or four months, how much change they can have. And then at the end of the six months being like, you are a different writer and look at all this amazing work. Um, it, make, it gives you all the warm fuzzies. It sounds like everyone needs Rachel and Emily in their back pocket. <laughs> so run, don't walk to click that link in the show notes. <laughs> we would love that. Come chat with us. If you didn't want to chat and learn more, we have a free consult. So you can come learn more about our program and more we can have how, how we can help. Um, no strings attached. So come chat. Excellent. So back to the questions. What is one thing you wish everyone knew about editing? Um, I think what I would wish everyone knew is that in the best, most exciting way, it is a lot of work and it also takes a long time. Um, it can take a long time. Um, I think a lot of new writers or a lot of writers who finish that first draft, they're on such a huge high and they should be because they just accomplished something really, really amazing. And then they get to revisions and they realize this takes a lot of work and I have a lot ahead of me and this can take forever. And they just kind of feel really defeated and really like, did I even write a good book? And what I want people to know is like, yes, you did. You uncovered gems. Like you are digging, you are looking, you're finding these brilliant things. And now all you have to do is polish the gem. And now you have to do is like chip away and get it nice and shiny and like, you know, shave it down. So it's that beautiful little shape that we all want to see. And it's work, but it's, but it's so rewarding and it's so wonderful and it just makes your story better. And anything that you're doing that makes your story better is worth it. Um, it can seem really overwhelming, but if you look at your story and you say, Hey, I really think I should do this. It'll make my story better. That's exciting. And I want people to hang on to that and, and just find the joy in that process and be like, editing is hard, but it makes my story better. Like how awesome is that? That's so exciting. So just keep up the good work. Um, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint you'll get through it um, and you and your story will be so much better by the time you're finished. Always good to remember when you're slogging through revisions. <laughs> yes. yes, it's really tough. Yeah. 
So on the previous episode you were on, we talked about your favorite part of the creative process, but I was also wondering how has your creative process evolved as you've evolved as a writer and a book coach? Um, That's such a great question. It's changed so much for me since I started learning about Storycraft and since I became a book coach. Um, And even since I worked with some of the clients that I work with, Um, Rachel, like 10 years ago, was a complete pantser. I tried so hard to outline. And as soon as I started writing, it just would completely deviate. And I would get so frustrated because I'd be like, I have this beautifully like three point outline document, like what happened? It doesn't, it doesn't work. And I would get, I would have a lot of fun while drafting, but by the time I was finished, I'd be like, none of this is usable because it just went completely off the rails. And so it did take me a lot of work in revisions to find something that I felt like was, um, that I enjoyed. And then I felt like was reflecting what I wanted to see. Um, and since then, since I started learning about story structure, I realized that it's really not about pantsing or plotting. It's really about, do you understand how story works and how can you make that understanding um, reflect into your writing process? I still find myself very strongly gravitating towards discovery writing. And so I, a lot of my really exciting ideas happen as I'm writing. Um, but I know how story works. I know how act one, I know the purpose of act one. I know what I'm aiming for in act two. And I know the kind of resolution that I want in act three. And I know how my character arcs should roughly play out. I know I need to have them, you know, be on this type of trajectory and then they need a big failure moment. They need to learn some lessons. So I, I get that now and I'm able to discover as I write um, and have a really loose expectation of what I'm looking for before I start writing so that when I write, I still have the freedom to find out these exciting nuggets that I'm looking for, but I do still keep on track of, okay, this is where my story's headed. This is the direction I'm aiming for. I'm not going to lose sight of that. I know who my characters are. I don't need to create these wildly fantastical like things that are happening um, because I know it doesn't fit the story structure um, that I'm working on. So I'm still not in the crazy plotting phase that my business partner, Emily, normally does. That's what works for her brain where she's got to know exactly what's happening before she's writing it. All I require is like a very general Um, this is a story I want to write. Um, I do like a, it's called a plot summary exercise where it's just bullet points of what I expect to happen in each act. And then when I look at a scene in particular, I don't plan usually scenes more than one or two ahead. Um, and I know going in as I'm drafting a scene, kind of the scene elements that I'm looking for. So I'm not like completely fine by the, (laughs) fine by the scene, my pants. Um, but I am definitely still like, okay, I know how story works. I come to the page a lot more confident, I think. And I also come to the page knowing of, I like discovering. So I'm going to embrace that and I'm going to find how I can discover and still, um, create a story that I know works. That's great. It's always hard as a writer to sort of find your flow and find what works. And obviously it evolves. So it sounds fantastic that you've been able to keep that pants or heart, but also make it more productive for you. That's exactly right. It feels a lot more productive and I still find the joy and the fun that I have in drafting. Drafting is my favorite part. And I didn't want to lose that by overstructuring it to a part where I felt suffocated. Um, And I've been able to find that balance because um, I think it really comes back to my knowledge of story craft. It's not like the secret sauce is not super difficult. It really isn't. 
you're struggling with it, you can be taught and you can figure out how this works with your process. That's a big part of our, our program is this writer's process looks a lot different than this other writer's process. So how do we, how do we adjust those processes? How do we find, find the balance? Um, so I've, I've done that in my own life and it's really helped out. One last question. This is sort of a fun one. It is, if you were to bury a time capsule, what would you put in it? Oh, this is so good. And I was just recently thinking about this because of, um, I don't know if you watch Parks and Rec at all, with Amy Poehler, but they, it's a sitcom. When one of the episodes, they bury a time capsule and um, the town wants to put Twilight in the time capsule. It's <laughs> a really funny episode. So I don't think that I would put Twilight. Um, but I would love to put, I, I think I would love to put my favorite author is Tamara Pierce. So I'd probably put some Tammy Pierce books in there. I think I would put an iPhone, like a cell phone from right now. So that in 50 years, I could be like, this is how much technology changed. So I, I find that really fascinating. Um, the trajectory of technology improvements. And it also put a couple really um, popular video games. I would also maybe put an N64 in there um, because that console never is going to go out of style. That's the best. And if you want to argue with me, please come come chat with me. <laughs> oh, I'm completely like, team N64. Right? Yeah, <laughs> N64. Um, and uh, I'd probably put the Zelda, all the Zelda games, because I don't. I think if you're gonna come up with the best game in the world it would be the zelda franchise they'd probably put that in there and then let me in 50 years play ocarina of time <laughs> on n64 that might be the best video game ever awesome it is a really yeah. good one it's a Isn't really it? good one yeah oh, good. i know i know a lot of it's nostalgia for my childhood but i know a lot of it is also like that's a fantastic video game it really um, is yes uh, yeah, and I probably, maybe I'd put some of my daughter's baby clothes in there Aww. just as a sentimental thing. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a really interesting question. I'm going to have to keep thinking about that. What would you put in it, Sal? Oh, that's a good question. Um, maybe like a newspaper from mm. like a recent newspaper. And I love the idea of the cell phone because then like you had said, the trajectory of how technology changes in terms of books. I think it'd be really hard to just pick um, yeah. one book. So maybe like a list of favorite books. Mm. I like that. I think I told you I just recently moved and I had to narrow my bookshelves down. And that was a Herculean effort. I had to go from like over, I mean, a couple hundred books down to like one bookshelf. And that was extremely difficult. That would be so hard. Yeah, yeah. That oh, would be hard to just find one. I like your list idea. I might switch. I'm going to switch to that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast yeah. again and um, here for the mini sode. And listeners and viewers, please check out the show notes to find more about Golden May editing. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Like the show? Have a question? Stop by the Facebook and Instagram pages. Links are in the show notes or search for a creative piecemeal podcast on social media and click follow for all the latest.